Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host of the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos-Duffy. Sean, it's so great to be back at our kitchen table. And today we are joined by our daughter, Evita, because we have two really great cultural topics. And, you know, we love having Evita when we have them. Um, The first one we're going to talk about, let's get right to it. There is massive controversy around Jason Aldean. Um, He has a song. It's called Try That in a Small Town. Weirdly, it came out two months ago. But all of a sudden, this song is being pulled from CMT off the rotation and Jason Aldean is being accused of promoting, get this, lynching. Um, Let's just play some of the song because I'm telling you, people who live in rural America or anyone who's a conservative is scratching their head going, why is this song controversial? Here's the first verse. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk Carjacking old lady at a red light Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store You think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face Stomp on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think it's tough Well, try that in a small town all right, so that's try that in a small town. Uh, by the way, that that last line about good old boys is one of the trigger points for um, so many on the left. Also, the verse after that, he says, got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day that they're going to round that up. Well, that might fly in the city. Good luck. So, OK, look, it's a let's bring Evita. What are, what are your, what were your initial thoughts? First of all, people should know Evita is a major country music fan. She's written a lot of articles about country music, about its cultural impact, about its Americanness, if you will. So what were your thoughts when you heard the song, Evita? Well, I have a lot of thoughts about the song, but I was just going to say really quickly, um, this is very typical of CMT who absolutely hates their audience. They, yeah. they really don't like, yeah, I think no, no, I think that's so great because that's exactly where I was going too. Yeah, absolutely. They, they they hate their audience. Um, they promote people like Mickey Guyton and crap songs and and Marin Morris on purpose because they feel honestly, I think they're self-hating. I think they don't like their audience. So they say we're gonna promote really left-wing uh country music artists that the fans don't even really like, and we're going to not give Jason Aldean any awards whatsoever. And that's actually what 
some people have theorized is that he's he's basically said, you know what, I'm going to sing about what I really care about because I have been completely subbed by corporate country in Nashville. And so it's interesting because Jason Aldean, Sean, his wife, you remember last summer, uh, she came out and put out a, she's an interesting figure, beautiful blonde woman. Um, she put out a tweet last summer against, you know, kind of voicing her concerns about the trans agenda and its impact on kids. And she got the wrath. I mean, they shut her down. They called her insurrectionist Barbie. Um, other, the the sort of protected, you know, celebrated country artists who who write about more progressive topics attacked her. Um, and so so he is already as a, as a couple, those two are, are kind of on the outs of the corporate Nashville crowd. Mom and I had a lot of initial thoughts about this song, but I'm really interested about what you thought about it. Because you're from a small town. <laughs> so I, I, I was born and raised in a small town of 1,800 people, really small. Um, and I think this is the case for all small towns across America. They look at what's happening in American cities. And, you know, globally, whether it's the carjackings, it's the people being punched in the streets or people getting shot or robbed. And they can't believe the societal decay and that a community would allow that to happen because they wouldn't let that happen in their community. And in, in most small towns, again, and maybe it's because police are so far away because there's not as many of them and it's more rural. And so you're you're not in a, you know, a, a, a block radius where there's sky rise, uh, sky rise you know, uh, housing. You got a gun because no one is going to be there to protect you. Um, should someone come calling at your house to what one steal your property? Get there, or, so you gotta do it, right? Or do it. That's right. You gotta you gotta be able to protect yourself. And so I look at this song, I listen to this song, and I'm like, this this is there's nothing controversial about this. You know what? Because everyone in a small town, and by the way, a lot of people in big towns as well will say the crap that's happening from the left is insanity. And when you call out the insanity with some common sense. They lose their mind and call you, what, a, a, a racist because you mentioned good old boys? I mean, give me a break. Well, yeah, it's it's interesting. A lot of the people from the cities, the ones who are tired of it, um, the few conservative left who are left are leaving. I mean, by the way, I heard yesterday, um, you know, that an interview with Ron DeSantis and they said, are you worried that all these people that are moving from the city to Florida, are you worried about them? And he's like, I was at first, but I realized the ones who are coming to Florida are common sense people. There are there a lot of them are conservatives. Um, a lot of them are just are, are burnt out on all the BS liberal crap in their cities. And so he's like, no, they're they tend to vote well. And and so anyway, I mean, there's clearly a small town mentality that you grew up with. You look at this, you see no problems. Um, Evita, do you think this will become I mean, look, corporate media CMT, the Nashville corporate crowd, a corporate country, if you will, uh, they're going to try and smear this. They don't want to be associated with it so they can go to fancy parties with their brethren in Hollywood and be accepted on the on the West Coast. But regardless of their attempts to squelch this song and smear Aldine and anyone who likes it, could this become an anthem of sorts? Well, I hope it does. And I'll, I'll say this, the song personally for me um, was really, really powerful because I've had, I think the two most formative experiences of my life was one, doing on the ground reporting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, 
during the BLM rioting, which if you look at the the video that CMT has taken down, you see flashes of massive BLM protests. Um, and then also living in Chicago, which is an utterly lawless um, city that is destroying itself from the inside because Soros-installed DAs are refusing to prosecute violent crime. And by the way, the victims of both of those things, right, lawless cities and BLM rioting, are poor, low-income minorities, Black and Hispanic. Right. So let's talk about Kenosha a little bit, Evita, because that was a formative experience. I remember being petrified that you were going down there, but super proud that you were reporting. And this is, so you could say this is a small town, but Kenosha is very close to Chicago and has some elements of Chicago that bleed into it for sure. But what is it about Aldine's song and your experience reporting on the ground during the BLM riots in Kenosha? Right. So it was amazing because well, it was it was horrible and it was it was also amazing. So Tony Evers would not. Tony say, Evers is the governor of Wisconsin. Yes, he's a governor. He's a he's a Democrat governor of Wisconsin. He refused to send enough National Guardsmen to protect the city, even though we all knew we had we had been through uh, multiple BLM protests at that point. We knew that something was coming, especially because of his close proximity to Chicago. He didn't send enough men. He sent more to the, the Bucks game than he did to Kenosha after the shooting of Jacob Blake. And so the city was in absolute flames. The police officers and the National Guardsmen protected the downtown area, but regular people, their businesses, their homes were left completely defenseless. And so men with baseball bats and shotguns stood outside their homes and their businesses or even on top of their roof and said, you know what, we're gonna have to protect ourselves. Um, And the left absolutely hate that. And I'll tell you this, I think race is a scapegoat in this in this whole story. And what they're really upset about is Al Dean suggesting that regular Americans can stand up and defend themselves outside of the purview of the state. Yeah. Well, because that that is a threat to the state, right? If you're not fully reliant on them and you have freedom yourself to protect yourself, to dictate, you know, your own future, your own security, your own safety, you don't need them and they need you to need them to make the transition uh, that they want to see across the country. And, you know, I, I think another way too. I mean, CMT banning this song, where it's, I think this is almost a Bud Light moment. I think there's a lot of conservatives who have seen their power in, in how they use their money or how they use uh, their viewing habits to punish uh, people who don't agree with them. And so I think there was a, a, a view in society that Bud Light, you know, it's an American beer in the Clydesdales. And uh, there was that feeling. But when the the Dylan Mulvaney ad came out, um, or not ad, but partnership, a lot of people said, well, actually, their values actually don't fit mine. And they pushed back and decided to drink other beer. I think the same thing can happen here with CMT to say, you know what, CMT doesn't actually fit my value and I'm not going to watch them any longer and can he- do huge damage uh, to a-, a network that has the space completely to itself. But if they lose their customers, they lose their ad base, they lose their ad revenue, and they can pay a price for canceling what a lot of their viewers actually agree with and actually like the song. You know, I really hope it is a button light moment for not just CMT, but for as what Evita calls corporate country. Because I think the the common denominator between Target, Bud Light, and CMT and corporate country is that these are all organizations, companies that purport 
that their their audience are middle Americans, right? Um, who tend to lean conservative in a lot of ways, um, families. And it's such a betrayal. And it's so obvious now how much these corporate overlords hate us. And I think this is one of those moments where, you know, you're like, why, why would CMT just not care at all about what it's, it's, it's listeners and viewers that they, they hate us. Um, I just think it's so obvious. Um, I, I want you to comment on that if you didn't, then I want to go back to Kenosha because I think that what you said about how race is not really the issue, but also about, and, and that it's really about what Sean talked about with the, um, about defending ourselves with guns, but I also want to talk about who this hurts because we need to talk more about the blacks and Hispanics who were hurt in Kenosha, for example. Um, so first your, your thoughts on corporate country, maybe have this being a Bud Light moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when we, we talk, there's like a, a coalition, right. Of every corporation in America and whether, whether we're talking about, you know, we're talking about banking, whether we're talking about, uh, you know, investments or, or, or corporate country, right. They all sort of have a very similar political voice. And that's, that's not, um, that's not a mis- that's not by mistake, right? It, it, we we're, we are living really in crony capitalism with the big tech too. Democrats will punish you, um, and and actually globalist ESGs will punish you if you are not uh, having if you're not if you're not engaging in if you if you are engaging in wrong things, you'll be punished. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. And so I I think that this whole so you're saying that CMT is responding to corporate pressure. Yes. Or at least trying to stave off some sort of corporate pressure by making sure they disassociate from Aldine and 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 shame him as a potential lyncher. Right. Then they can keep their ESG but what score. I, what I think, yes. And what I think is is interesting about th- this whole thing is actually Aldine is is being a true artist right now, and he's being suppressed by really what's what's authoritarianism. It's a critique of our current state that he's that that he's done, and people. Um, are not allowing them to do that. And what a real artist does is they are a part of the zeitgeist. They're, they are responding to what we're, we're dealing with as a country. And, but there are things that is, are forbidden to say in America right now. One of them is that, uh, you know, the summer of rage destroyed lives and was violent. And you're not allowed to say what we saw. You're not allowed to say you're, you can, you can talk about January 6th, for example, right. till you're blue in the face and how bad it Which, was. Which by the way was 100 times. That's a real stat. 100 times more damaging than the BLM protest. Or I'm sorry, BLM protest is 100 times more damaging than January 6th. You mean financially and in terms of violence. 100%. Right. So you can crit- critique, criticize, write songs about how bad, uh, you know, the so-called insurrectionists were on January 6th. But if you talk about, or in the case of Jason Aldean, show images, which he was very careful to use um, actual news footage yes. of, of, the, art, of and, the riots. And art is and powerful. You're, and you're not allowed to say what you saw. Right. And and by doing that in a, in a song is so much more powerful than an article or, or a news pundit, right? This is something that has the power to, to really influence the masses. And that's why they respond responded so uh, ferociously to the song. It wasn't- You know, know, because it's culture. I mean, and culture matters. Culture drives politics. And this is a huge statement in culture about what's actually happening. And it's going against the narrative that the left wants us all to buy into, which is different than what all of us see with their own eyes. You're talking about um, 
about about race though. And 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 we had on the bottom line yesterday, which is a Fox Business show that I host with Dagan McDowell from six to seven p.m. Eastern. If you don't check it out, you should. It's a great show. But we had a state representative from Georgia, Misha Maynard. She's um, a, a, an African American woman who is a Democrat who because. The Democrats won't get on the bandwagon for school choice and kid, the kids in her school systems are failing. They, you know, two or three percent can read and write. She's been outraged by it. And she, she switched parties and she just came out recently and said, you know what? I've been getting death threats, vile emails about me switching parties. Um, and whether you look at Misha Maynard from Georgia, whether you look at uh, Justice Thomas on the Supreme Court, Tim Scott. Race is not about supporting a minority race. Race is about power. And they'll support, you know, a, a, a segment of the population based on race as long as they agree with this left-wing radical ideology. But as soon as you say, yeah, I'm a minority and I have a different point of view because I'm a free thinker, they come after you with guns blazing. And it's it, such a great point. And, and and so interesting that you bring up this state representative. She was so brave. Um, she's so for school choice because she actually cares about uh, minorities. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every Life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Evita, you talked about the minorities that were hurt in Kenosha. Talk to us about that. And especially I'm I'm curious about some of the Hispanics you tried to talk to. Yeah. It, so it was a lot of fear um, following the rioting. But generally, Black people and white people um, were willing to speak to me. Uh, on the other hand, Hispanics who lived who in Kenosha live right alongside the Black people in the neighborhood-wise um, refused. They all said, we don't want to be targeted. We're afraid. And by the way, these aren't just like, you know, I'm a, I'm a what third generation Hispanic. Uh, these are, these are first generation say they, their parents or they are speaking Spanish or have very broken English. And they said, you know what, we just, it's just not worth it for us, which is so, so telling of, of the fear, um, and, and, and violence that was going on at that time. Right. So so what do you think is going to happen with Jason Aldean? How do you think other country stars will react to the way he's being treated? Will they rally around him? Will they um, be intimidated by the corporate pressure um, in country music? What's your prediction? Because I know you follow country music really closely. Well, they're, they're making an example out of Aldean. Um, he's already lost uh, from a different from a different circumstance. He's already I think he said that he didn't want to see any masks in his audience and he lost uh 
his his agent or like the company that was representing. Oh, it was him. like the, the the PR company that was representing. Him. Yeah, so they've done that. He he does. He's not getting awards. Um, country radio is still playing him, but there's now massive pressure from the left to say, country radio, you have an obligation to stop platforming Jason Aldean. So they are, they are, there is a concerted effort to say, if because of your political beliefs and because you've inserted them in your songs, which is the greatest uh, offense that you could have, uh, you will be punished. And I, it's if I, I'd like to think that other country music artists would stand with him. Um, but I have to, I, I assume that money is probably more important. I think that he lost the PR company after his wife made the trans comments, if I'm correct. But, but have he to stood by either him. way, he did. He stood right by his wife. He didn't walk away from it. And the, tr- and what the did- irony is that Jason Aldean's position, both what his family's position on masks, his family's position on, on, you know, all the COVID measures, the family's position on lockdowns and trans. And in this case, standing up for small town values such as self-reliance and, and uh, um, you know, the Second Amendment. That is the culture of country music, like of the of the listeners, of the audience. Well, of, the, uh, of the listeners, but the culture of country music seems to have changed. It's become more poppy. Um, and you have seen more leftists take over Nashville and the industry. Um, but what I, you know what I find this a, a liken to is China, where you, it's a, you, you can make money, you can start a business. You, you have a lot of freedom in China as long as you agree with the state. Yes. As long as you buy into the state's line, you have a lot of freedom of mobility and making cash and getting rich. But as soon as you cross the line of the state, is it uh, Ma, who um, one of the richest men in China, uh, runs Al- Alibaba? Yep. They disappeared him for two yeah. months. Yeah. Right. You can be wildly pop, uh, popular and powerful and rich, and the state can still disappear you for a period of time to send a message that you better get on board. The same thing with Jason Aldean. They're yeah. they're trying the China tactic to say, as long as you sing about things that we agree with, that promote our agenda and our ideology, you can do whatever you want, Jason Aldean. But as soon as you think that you can sing about issues that matter to your listeners and to many Americans. The, the force and the power of the government and the ESG wokesters, corporate America is going to try to squash you to make sure you can't make a living. Now, we're not quite to China yet, but well, make no mistake, this is the China model. Yes, this is. We, it's the Chinification. I've been, we've been talking about this for a long time on our podcast, the Chinification of America. And the only thing that will save us, and we saw it during COVID, the, the doctors could have saved us. The doctors, let's be honest, the medical community were cowards and they had the power to save us all and they had the voice of authority to do that. Uh, with Bud Light, I think we saw consequences and uh, now corporate America is a little bit afraid of, of the boycott. Um, and that was the common people, um, conservatives who said, we're, we're done with you. In this case, um, again, we're going to see whether whether the lack of courage, uh, which I think is, 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 at, the, is at the heart of so many of the uh, problems we have in America that we haven't stood up for ourselves. We're going to see if other country stars um, rally around Jason Aldean or if they also lack the courage to do that. And we're going to see whether country music listeners have the courage to stand up to corporate media. And in, I mean, right now, CMT has made themselves the target. I hope people boycott the award shows um, 
and say, you know, this is BS. Maybe somebody will start another award show um, that actually reflects the views of the of the of the listeners. Well, listen, if you, if you want to support him uh, and and you're still uh, a member of one of those powerful boycotters themselves, Apple Music, they still have Aldean's song up. You can download it. You can play it. And that's how you support the song and keep it at the top of the charts um, and, and push back and support an artist who's a, a free thinker and putting product out that he thinks you all want to hear. So that, that's the way to do it and, and, and show who's in charge, not corporate, not the corporatist, but the actual consumer is still in charge of the American economy. And, and support him online. Yeah. And I, I was going to say he's he's he and his wife have both responded to this and tried to defend the song and say it's not racist. If, if Jason Aldean is listening, which I don't think he is, but if he is, <laughs> I, I have some advice. I don't think that they should be um, explaining themselves. It's more evident that this is not a racist song and that actually it's a critique of, of leftism and the, the chaos that has ensued from their policies. What they do is lean into it, say 100%, this is my song, I own it. And there's a market for that because people are starving for artists to actually side with them, but also to to respond to the the culture that we're living in, because no one's really right now. And that's that. There's an opportunity for Jason Aldean. It's not just a critique of left wing um, policies, although it certainly is, and we're seeing it. And I love that he used those images because they're trying to tell us those were peaceful protests, and we saw the burning, and we saw the blame, yeah. the billions of dollars lost, the 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 cops who actually died from violence during that riot, uh, for sure. But also, it's an embracing of a culture of small small town culture values. Um, it is saying, listen, we're for law and order. We're for um, you know protecting our family and our our town and 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 taking care of each other. And so th- there's the other flip side that I think we need to Sean is for for you especially coming from a small town. You know they don't want people to take pride in their small towns. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, this is a song that makes you proud. If you're from a small town, it makes you proud to say, you know, um, this small town will take care of itself. You know, in a small town, uh, they kind of know your business, but they also protect your business, right? <laughs> There's a lot of rumor mills that happen in small towns and a lot of gossip, you know, people in other people's business. But they, in tough times, they they really stick together. And this is another point on the race front. Um, you can try to make the statement that only, you know, African-Americans were rioting during the BLM riots and only white people live in small towns. But that's absolutely false because you had a lot of young, rich, woke white kids out there protesting, destroying cities. Um, so it was it was it was a whole montage of America, but a lot of um, rich white kids remember that engaged in those riots. And not only that, but no, but, but but then also in small towns, small town America is not white. It's made up of a smattering of every minority group and background because there's a there, there, there's a certain style and way of life that that a small town offers. And especially today, Rachel, you see more Americans after the COVID lockdowns and the mask mandates and the crazy people on the streets and also the violence that happens on the streets and in large cities across this country. People who can are trying to move where? The small towns. That, yeah. there's, there's an influx in my small town in Hayward, Wisconsin. People are coming from Minneapolis and St. Paul. 
They want to get the hell out and come to this small town so they can get away from the craziness of the city. And so it's, 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 it's actually a, a testament to how attractive that small town mentality is to so many Americans who now live in the big cities. Yeah. And during Kenosha, Sean, you, you, you got my mind sparking. Remember, they tried to present the altercation between Kyle Rittenhouse and the, and the Antifa kids as a racial thing. All three of the people involved in that incident were white. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're so right to point out that it was oftentimes the rich white trust fund babies who were out there causing most of the ruckus. Yeah, I, I was also going to say that they're mad about the video, right? Because the song has been out for two months and everyone's kind of like, okay with it. The video and the images I'm almost talking so about. So the video, the video came out recently. It came out last Friday. Yeah. So if you actually watch the video and the images that they show, I could not, I, I went through it slowly. I actually slowed down the speed speed on YouTube to watch. And I did not see a single black person in the videos. So there might've been black people that were covered because there's a lot of individuals who were um, face masks were yeah were had all their face masks but all of the altercations of BLM protesters um spitting in the face of cops throwing uh th- throwing things that was all if you could see their faces which most of the time you couldn't they were all white people so part of the reason that they're using the lynching thing is that the film was shot in front of a courthouse where apparently nearby there had been a real life lynching of some of a, of a black man, you know, decades ago, um, you know, during the civil right or prior, I, I think it was in 19, I'm going to pull up the date here. Um, so they're, they're kind of hanging their hat on the fact that they chose that courthouse where he's singing his song from. Um, my guess is, I mean, I don't know if they, if the people who, who chose that courthouse, Tennessee, I mean, look, it Nashville's in Tennessee. He, the guy lives in Tennessee. They chose this, this location. I'm sure that they didn't do that on purpose as some sort of, you know, dog whistle on that. Um, and so that's what, to be clear, that that's part of what they're using to hang their hat on, but make no mistake. I think it'd be just right when you see them getting upset about something, um, and, and trying to censor it, Pay attention to what they don't want you to talk about. And I think what they don't want you to talk about is the Second Amendment right to defend yourself. And they don't want you to tell the truth about the violence and the bullshit that happened during during the, the, the 2020 riots that they want you to believe were peaceful protests. The violence, the, the, the damage, the billions of dollars of damage done and the lives that were lost. Richard, you're, you're 100 percent right. And um, again, you mentioned the Second Amendment. And it goes back to one of the first points I made, which is you have to to have complete control for the state. You can't have any power yourself, which means they have to take your firearm away, which is why our founders in this balance of a government that was for the people, by the people, they enshrine your Second Amendment right that you can possess a firearm so you can push back against a rogue government. And that's why Cuba, Venezuela, China, so many countries have taken away the individual's right to bear arms because they have no right then to push back against an authoritarian regime. In Cuba, the results would have been far different in the protests from a couple of years ago if the people actually had guns. They would be able to to fight uh, the regime and potentially win. But when they're using rocks and sticks to, to fight back, 
Um, that's the that's the problem because the, the power differential is so huge. John, you know what they were left to using? They were left using the those protesters in Cuba. They were using their phones. They were trying to send the images back to us so we could see them protesting and also document all the people who were rounded up, the leaders. By the way, Afro-Cuban leaders, artists, led that that protest in Cuba uh, two summers ago. And those 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 people were rounded up and we weren't able to tell the story. Do you know why? Because the the communists shut down the Internet, the 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 Internet there and the protesters were begging Joe Biden to just let them give them some sort of um, uh, Internet satellite connection so they could uh, send out those images. And Joe Biden. So that, of course, because Joe Biden is running the Marxist regime. Yeah. And why would he be opposed to his good friends that run another Marxist regime? He's not going to side with the people like he hasn't sided with the people in America. He has sided with the regime and the power that well, crushes the individual and the freedom. I hope we can end end this with advising people. If you care about um, this issue with uh, with the, the things we're talking about, there's a brave guy named Jason Aldean who's trying to send a message. And so, as you said, Sean, download his song, um, support him on social media, send a message to CMT by boycotting them and everything to do with corporate um, corporate country, if you can. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. So I'm going to move to another cultural touch point because while Vida is an expert in country uh, music, American country music, I am an expert in Barbie. I grew up on Barbie, <laughs> on Barbie. Um, I'm obs- I was always obsessed with Barbie. They were my best favorite gifts that I got for Christmas and birthday presents when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s and um, as a little girl. And I I just, I love Barbie. And so here we have a movie, Barbie movie that came out that I was excited. My girls love Barbies, by the way. There's, Sean, we probably have dinner Barbies in our house. I, I'm not exaggerating. They just love Barbie. Um, and so they've been passed on through all the kids from Evita on down. And um, and they keep buying them for Christmas and and so forth. So the uh, the main problem with the Barbie movie, in my view, Sean, is that the movie was written and directed by people who hate Barbie. And I know that because the actual ad for the Barbie movie says, um, if you hate Barbie, this is the movie for you. Imagine that as and Mattel's on board. I mean, Mattel is fully on board with this movie. So from a visual point of view, the movie is delicious. 
It's brilliantly casted. The set design is incredible. It's just, a, a, if you love Barbie, it's a visual a delight to watch. And yet there is a feeling that you can't allow, you know, little girls and their moms like me to revel freely, guiltlessly for two hours in the femininity of that, you know, you can't have this unadulterated fun of just being a girl without the intrusion of all these sort of ideological LGBTQ plus agenda without the intrusion of envious men. There's a trans um, storyline in there as well. By the way, the, the only Dr. Barbie is a, is a trans man. So it's actually, is a trans, so it's actually a man, um, which is super ironic. Um, and, you know, the intrusion of joyless feminists who are anti-child, anti-family. And so that, so Barbie gets pulled out of her Barbie dream world and into the real world where she's being forced to choose between basically guilted and shamed for wanting high heels versus Birkenstocks, which in our family is really funny because you might know I love high heels and I hate Birkenstocks with a passion. Um, so <laughs> that was just really hit home for me. But I mean, it's weird, right? I mean, like you have this movie that is supposed to celebrate Barbie and at the same time is trashing Barbie and and making people, girls feel bad for loving the girliness of Barbie. Yeah, it's an interesting, so I haven't seen the movie, but what it, what it seems is this weird dichotomy of the message being Barbie is that like the, the old version of Barbie is actually bad and we should embrace this sort of third wave feminist girl boss version of, of Barbie, but then also exploiting the, the color and the fashion and the music and like all the things that people actually like would love about Barbie. But I also say this when I'm in like the 2010s, like 2010 to like 2015, there was this anti Disney movement, like anti Disney princess movement where they said, we don't want our yes. girls, we don't want our girls to be watching Snow White. We don't want that. We want them to be. We want them to be princesses, right? That's that that have to be saved by a man. Um, and then there was some, you know, reactionary films to it, sort of making fun of this this conception of of Disney princesses. And then a few years later, um, when I was, you know, late high school, early college, they started to say, you know what? Actually, this is kind of silly. All of these these print Disney princess hating articles um, and and parents committing to never let their kid watch it, women should be allowed to actually embrace the femininity. And it's actually kind of anti-feminist to say, you can't be feminine. That's the whole point of being a woman. But this, this Barbie movie seems to be completely backward to where I thought um, modern feminists were. I thought they'd actually made a really nice realization that this silly man, this silly woman-hating, um, anti-feminine, uh, strain of their movement was actually detrimental to women. And now it seems like it completely backfired. The male characters are like all dumb. They're, they're like either evil, dumb losers. And so there's a weird message about it's, it's very, frankly, it's very anti-male, male movie. Well, so one that would fit in with the demonization of, of men and young boys and toxic masculinity that has taken over our culture. Number one, but I wonder you know, again, you go back to the business side, people, companies make movies to one, make money. And two, as we see now more recently, they're trying to make cultural statements or trying to move the culture in a certain direction, but they can't 
do that unless they make enough money to pay their employees and their artists and give a return to their shareholders. I want, I haven't seen the numbers on how this movie um, is, is going to do. I don't know if you guys have seen that either, but I wonder, are moms going to take their young girls to see this movie with these really mixed messages or, or bizarre messages that they actually want to protect them from? The moms and dads who've been protesting you know, trans books in, in the school system and trans lessons in the classroom, are they going to bring their kids and pay I mean, God, movies are expensive. Now, was it 12, 15 bucks a movie? I haven't gone to the last one I went to was uh, Top Gun Maverick, which was last summer. I mean, we all went together. I haven't gone since then. But I wonder, is the consumer, is the, is the girl, is the mom going to go see this movie and the images that they're presenting um, in, in, in Barbie, which is actually kind of anti-Barbie? It's such a great question, Sean. And, and so I, there's, a, there's, a couple, there's a couple strains in that that I want to, I want to, I want to hit on. Well, first, the movie is full of really weird references to like Prowse and indigenous people. And there's also the, the the film is directed by a female director who, you know, so there's some like there's there's a lot of like nerdy sort of film references in it to like 2001 Space Odyssey and and movies that like girls either don't know about or their moms hated. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's weird. Like who is their audience, right? And so it's it's conflicting in that regard. So like visually, it's appealing to the audience, right? To girls, and they cast Margot, uh, uh, um, uh, Margot, Margot, Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, who's gorgeous, and Ryan Gosling, who's gorgeous, and like all that. So like it has this visual appeal, but it can't just let you revel in the girliness of it. It's got to hit you over the head with all these social justice feminist messages because ultimately as the thing says if you hate barbie you'll love this movie it's got to it's got to hit the femininity about um about barbie and and so it does that and so here's what what's interesting sean because you talked about money so what so ultimately barbie is still this you know you know plastic doll with this tiny waist and these you know heels these little feet stuck in the heel position so you can slip her little plastic high heels on and strappy shoes on um so it ultimately is that which is sort of like not in the the corporal moment so what they've done is they've made this deal right so it's corporate esg is you know if you can hit on hit barbie from the feminist perspective and make fun of it and degrade and, and denigrate her on the one hand, it kind of gives Mattel permission, um, like a permission slip, if you will, to have this doll with this tiny waist in this cultural environment. So as long as she spews a bunch of girl boss feminist bull, then, you know, Mattel can have their cake and eat it too, if you will. Um, here's another angle, Sean, that really concerns me. And it goes back to what we talked about with the men, the way men are portrayed in this movie. So initially, I think a lot of moms my age, Gen X moms, are going to take their girls to watch this movie. Um, they're not going to take their boys. It's not visually appealing to most boys. But eventually, this is going to end up in, you know, on Netflix or on, you know, one of the Apple TV or whatever. And we're going to pay to people are going to pay to buy this movie. And then little boys are going to watch this movie. And the message to little boys is so negative. It's so negative. You would not want your little boy to watch this um, because the there's not nobody redeeming. There's no male redeeming. There's no celebration of, 
of Ken as a masculine figure. I know that Ken, you know, lacked anatomy, you know, <laughs> and he he's sort of this plastic emasculated sort of, you know, afterthought. And I love that they played on the afterthought of Ken in the movie. It, it, he really was always an afterthought. And it was fun to play on that. But also all these other male characters are just, there's only girl bosses and redeeming themselves with these feminist messages. Um, that does concern me because um, I don't think we would want, I don't think any woman should take their kid to see this film or or rent this movie where there's little boys watching. I wonder how many... So first off, no, oh, go ahead, Evita. I was just saying, I wonder how many progressive parents, moms specifically, are bringing their boy, boys to Barbie on purpose. I think there's a lot of parents in America, not conservative ones, but progressive ones that say, you know, we have to deconstruct the masculinity within my boy. I want him to, you know, be open and realize that he can like Barbie. And it's so damaging because I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that that's probably what's happening is they're, they're doing it on purpose and sending their boys to, to watch Barbie or to, or to do a bunch of other feminine things, put them in ballet to, to make sure that if they, if they question their, if they're questioning their gender, that they have the opportunity to do that. It's so funny. It brings me back to like when I was a kid. So my brother, G.I. Joe, remember the G.I. Joe Barbies, Sean? They were like, like Barbies. They weren't Barbies. They were G.I. Joe guys. They were action figures, but they were like Barbies in that they were the same size as a Barbie. And my brothers had all the G.I. Joe dolls, action dolls. Like they were tall, like Barbie. And then they had like the tanks and all this stuff and, and, and war equipment. And I was always trying to be nurse, military Barbie. I was, I was wanting to let them, let me play with their, you know, with them. And they, they, my brothers were a little older than me. So they were always like, no, you know, like they wouldn't, they wouldn't let Barbie play with GI Joe back then. But that's an interesting point of you that. So, so, but let me ask you. So first off, uh, uh, there might be some woke liberal women who want to bring their sons to that movie and expose them to it. Shame on them. It'll be a horrible, horrible experience for any boy who's a boy. Um, but I guarantee you, Rachel, in our house, that if the girls, and I'll try to stop it, but if for, for some reason we're not home and they put on the Barbie movie, I guarantee you our seven-year-old Patrick, there's not a chance in hell he'll sit there and watch that movie. Or even John Paul, who's going to be 17, you couldn't force him to sit and watch that Barbie movie. Boys won't watch it. They both don't want to. Both me and Avita are here shaking our heads because... JP, our 17-year-old, will not watch that movie. 16-year-old, almost 17. He's not going to watch it. He's going to be uninterested. However, Patrick, who is all boy, by the way, he's like loves like blowing things up and everything else. He still will sit down and watch whatever the girl because he's totally outnumbered by the girls. Yeah. And it's also a very stimulating movie. Like, like mind-wise, there's just a lot of stuff going on, which can captivate a kid, whether it's a boy or a girl. Agreed. And he's a little boy, so he looks up to his sisters. And so I think if they were to put it on, sit there and watch it. Okay. Well, we can have an experiment, but I've seen the girls watch movies and he'll just stand up and he'll start running around and jumping and fighting with whatever, you know, teddy bear he has in the house and and we'll we'll walk away from what they're doing. But I want to make a different point as well. The message, and it goes off of what you said, Rachel, the message to girls, and it kind of goes into a lot of the conversations that we've had, which is what makes you happy? Yeah. Finding love makes you happy in life. Having a family makes you happy. And to to find love uh, for for you know 95% of the population is to find someone of the opposite sex that, sex that you find attractive and that you actually respect if you want to have a healthy marriage. And if you have a movie like this that demonizes men 
it sends a message to girls that one, they're stupid, and two, they don't really need a man. And frankly, I'm not saying that women need men. I think men need women and women need men. That's where we were made to be together um, in marriage and, and have families. If you demonize that, it continues to send this cultural message that families aren't important. Marriage isn't important. Maybe your, your, your car, your bank account, your, uh, your professional career, that's the most important thing to you. But why would you give all of that up for a stupid man in your life? Little girls, wrong message for them, which is why I think all decent parents should keep their children away from this movie. Well, just so you know, I mean, I have not had more um, requests, begging and pleading from the girls than to watch this movie. Our girls love Barbie. They want to watch this movie. Um, it's it's like they're they're just dying. The interesting is when I, and I've seen long. I haven't watched the entire thing. I've seen long clips of it. You know, she's in Dream World, Barbie Dream World, and then she's in the real world. I want to stay in the Dream World. Like I'm loving all the Dream World when when she's in her element of Barbie, um, and and. I don't want her out in that other world. That, that's kind of funny. But I do think back to your point, Sean, it is ironic that truly outside of the women's studies department, outside of, you know, the TikTok feminist influencers who clearly influence this movie, feminism, in my view, has always misunderstood the true desires of real women. And anyone who falls for that ideology ends up really unhappy and bitter. And so th- I just think it's really sad that we allowed feminism and all these wokey messages to infect this movie because it really could have been super fun. Um, it, it should have been something that moms could take their daughters. I want to mention one more thing. Um, the whole so what it does talk about in the film is this transition. There used to be pre Barbie <laughs> had baby dolls, which had a very maternal feel to it, right? Like they were taking care of baby dolls. It was this, um, you know foreshadowing of the maternal that they would eventually become. And then along comes Barbie in what, like 1959. And so now little girls are playing with Barbie. Barbie's not exactly that maternal, right? She She's this hard figure with a tiny waist and she's like ready to have a good time. And so in the movie, what they do is you, it start, you see the, the little girls crushing the heads and the, and the baby dolls and sort of this transition to, to Barbie. And I do think that there's a certain generation of women who went through that transition. You know, the, this feminist transition, they, there's, they're, they're the angry, they're the boomer moms who are still angry at men and the patriarchy. And they've been trying so hard to um, make other young women angry like them. The truth is when I had my Barbie and I grew up on Barbie and she was my favorite toy to play with, and I had lots of them and I had the furniture and I had the whole thing. I never had the Barbie dream house, which is always a little, you know, I always have a little bit of regret about that. Um, but my girls have it. And what, but I don't have those resentments. I grew up with Barbie. I don't, I, I don't have this like throw away my baby dolls because there's now Barbie. I Barbie is part of my, and I like men. And I like masculine men. And I, 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 I wanted my Ken Barbie to marry my Barbie. And, you know, I don't have all those issues. And what they're trying to do is inject these issues into girls. And I think that that's a really interesting thing that um, I, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know why they want to make people so bitter and unhappy. Well, I was, I was going to say, I think they're trying to circumvent a something. So Barbie's not, Barbie, Barbie's not maternal, like you said. She's not like 
the 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 mom who's at who's at home where she's not a baby doll, but she she actually could be viewed as sort of a a, a women empowerment figure. What this movie is trying to do um, is take away the little bit of femininity that Barbie had and say all of your dressing up, all of the lipstick and and the, and the high heels and the pink, um, you know, maybe that's not such a good thing. And I think that is is a really negative thing to tell women because. And, and I, I read, written a couple articles about this, but in order to have a family and in order to even attract a man, you have to emphasize in femininity. And so to, to say that all of this stuff is dumb and, and that we, that girls need to sort of remove themselves from stupid Barbie and her looks and instead focus on being a girl boss, um, is actually a, a really negative thing to tell women because, um, beauty is, 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 is not the most important thing. But it's a very important thing that people have now decided to, to denigrate and, and really belittle about women. Well, it's actually against nature, right? Men are attracted. Sean, do you like me in high heels or Birkenstocks? I like you in high heels, honey. Keep that up. <laughs> Good, because you can't marry a Latina and want a girl in Birkenstock. All right. Well, this is a fascinating conversation. Um, moms, if you're considering having your girls watch this movie, you should watch it first yourself. Um, and decide if if you can if if it's if it's right for you. Um, it's a really hard one for me to resist. Um, I'm just so sad that Mattel um, went for the for, for this. Um, wish they had embraced Barbie and all her feminine glory. Uh, but uh, they- me, me too, Rachel. Me too. And so I, w- I w- I'm going to hope and advocate that you don't actually go see it. You don't give them their mo- your money. You don't support. Uh, this woke ideology, but it's your choice, your call. But I think it's good advice. Watch it first and see if it's appropriate for your kids. Make the call yourself as a parent. Listen, I want to thank everyone for joining us on our podcast from the kitchen table. We'd be to thank you for joining us as well. Um, we appreciate it. If you like our podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can go to foxnewspodcast.com as well and subscribe to us there. And subscribing will guarantee that you get the notice of every podcast that drops. We drop uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday every week. Um, So make sure you tune in uh, and check out the latest from the kitchen table. All right. Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.